0: I'd invite you to turn with me this morning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and 3. 1 Thessalonians chapters 2 and 3. We focused our attention last week on the second chapter, uh, but we only got through the first 16 verses, and so now we're going to pick it up at verse 17 and then read through the end of chapter 3 as well. <clears throat> as we uh, look at this these two letters, actually, to the church in Thessalonica as we listen to what Paul has to say about what it means to be a church. We also are listening for what the, the questions that the Thessalonians are asking. And sort of the main question that they were asking is, what does it mean to live as a Christian? I grew up in a different background. I grew up in a pagan lifestyle. How do things change Now that I'm a Christian, what sorts of things am I supposed to do that maybe I didn't do before? And so we're looking at several of those things, and in particular this morning, the whole idea of Christian encouragement. Now, Paul has come into, came into Thessalonica, we're told in Acts, and was only there about three weeks before he was kicked out. He was, uh, Paul's MO, if you will, his way of, of evangelizing throughout Asia Minor and now um, in Macedonia and Achaia, which is where Thessalonica was. His, his idea is to first go to the Jewish synagogue in that community and introduce to them their Messiah, Jesus. And what happens, happened usually was that there were in that synagogue Jews and also God-fearing Gentiles, that is, people that uh, found some affinity to the, to the uh, religion of the, the people of Israel, the Jewish people. And they were there, and oftentimes they were the ones that responded better than the Jews to Paul's uh, insights on Jesus the Messiah. And that was the case in Thessalonica. And so what happened was that many of the God-fearing Gentiles were responding to Paul, but many of the Jews were upset because of the stuff that Paul was, was teaching. And so they basically drove him out of town. As a result, this church was hardly even a church. It was just a, a few people that had become believers, and, and Paul was concerned. And so Paul makes his way eventually to Athens, Greece, and, and there he... Is so concerned he just decides he's going to send Timothy, his co worker, back and see how they're doing in Thessalonica, whether the gospel even took, whether they were even able to withstand the opposition. Timothy meets him back in Corinth and comes with this report that's really a glowing report for a small church, a church plant, if you will, that they were really looking like a church and and their, their faith and love was well known. And so Paul was encouraged by this. But then Paul also knew that, that the opposition was raising a question about Paul's sincerity and his, his methods of coming among them. You see, there were a group of people, orators, that would come in the Greco-Roman society. They'd come into the various various towns and try to make money off the people through their oratory, through their... Um, trying to gather them and and sell them something, if you will. And they were lumping Paul in with that. And so Paul spends the second chapter saying, no, that was not the case at all for us. In fact, he uses uh, family imagery to describe his approach to them. A steward entrusted uh, with the gospel by God. Innocent as infants, as means and, and methods of uh, and uh, motivation for their ministry. But then particularly as a father and mother, Paul says, I came with a mother-like love, nurturing love, and I came like a, a father with wisdom and, and guidance. And now as we continue on the, in the rest of chapter 2 and into chapter 3, well, he doesn't use the term, Paul seems to continue to act kind of in that mode of being a father. And, uh, and so we see this, ironically, we see this bachelor, who's never been married, is, is feeling like a father toward these people, and particularly in the area of encouragement. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Let's pick it up at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, we'll read through the end of chapter 3. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time... In person, not in thought. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who was our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you, and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy now just come from, has now has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us, and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now, we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in your presence, in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. The idea of encouragement and hearing Paul being encouraged but also encouraging them. Let's open with prayer before we look at this further. Father God, we know that you come to encourage us and you do that ultimately through your son Jesus. Now help us listen to the Apostle Paul as he is encouraged and seeks to encourage the Thessalonians and us because of a relationship that we can all have with Jesus. Help us to understand, but also to, to not only be encouraged, but to be prodded, to be encouragers, to see that as an important part of our Christian life. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine your child going off to college for the first time for a year, or going off to a volunteer ministry for a week or for a summer, going to camp for a week or a mission trip for a week, or maybe just going out on their first date. Those are all kind of anxious times for parents. Is no news really good news? The phone rings and you jump. There's a knock at the door and your heart skips a beat. Questions run through your mind. Did I teach her what to do if... What if he encounters? Are they really old enough to do this? The task of raising children, says Irma Bombeck, is rather like trying to fly a kite on a day when the wind doesn't blow. She writes Mom and Dad run down the road, pulling the cute little device at the end of a string. It bounces along the ground and shows no inclination of getting off the ground. Eventually, and with much effort, they manage to lift it 15 feet in the air, but great danger suddenly looms. The kite dives toward electrical lines and twirls near trees. It's a scary moment. Will they ever get it safely on its way? Then, unexpectedly, a gust of wind catches the kite and it sails upward. Mom and dad feed out the line as rapidly as they can. The kite begins pulling the string, making it difficult to hold on. Then they reach the end of their line. What should they do now? The kite is demanding more freedom. It wants to go higher. Dad stands on his tiptoes and raises his hand to accommodate the tug. The line is now grasped tenuously between his index finger and thumb, held upward toward the sky, and then the moment of release comes. The string slips through his fingers, and the kite soars majestically into God's beautiful sky. Mom and Dad stand gazing at their precious baby, who is now gleaming in the sun a mere pinpoint of color on the horizon they're proud of what they've done but sad to realize their job is finished raising this child was a labor of love but where did the years go many of us who have been parents understand that being parents is more than just giving birth the same is true for being spiritual parents. And I think that gets to the heart of what the Apostle Paul is feeling and talking about here. He has described himself in previous verses as mother and father to the Thessalonians. This infant church was barely walking when Paul had to flee. And now you can sense the nervous parent coming out of this bachelor evangelist. But what we learn from Paul in his anxiety is not about nervous parenting, but about Christian encouragement. As we noted at the outset, there's nothing like being away from your kids for a short time or a long time to give you a new perspective on your relationship. Paul now has been away from his kids, the Thessalonians. But Paul's opposition in Thessalonica has noted that Paul's departure and his failure to return was a sign that Paul didn't care. He didn't care about them. And Paul says, nothing is further from the truth. Instead, he says, he felt torn away. Literally, he felt orphaned. It was like losing his spiritual children. He was homesick for them. They were constantly out of, on his mind. And out of intense longing to see them, he tries again and again, but was stopped by Satan. So you get the idea. Paul really misses them. Then Paul shares his perspective with them. He not only tells them he misses them, but he, he says, in fact, they are his hope, his joy, his crown, his glory. They had been given to him by Jesus to give birth in the faith, but also nourishment. And so they are his responsibility. You could say that in this life they are his hope and joy. In the next, his crown and glory. As William Barclay notes, nothing that we can do, not, nothing that we can do can bring us credit in the sight of God. But at the last, the stars in a man's crown will be those whom he led nearer to Jesus Christ. So Paul reflects on them and sees them as as his joy and his future glory. Whom has Jesus given to you as your joy and glory? Your spouse? Your children? grandchildren, great-grandchildren, maybe a a colleague, a neighbor, or friend you've been called by God to disciple? Do we see them from this perspective, that they are our joy and glory, and do we tell them? So Paul tells them. He, He gives them parental encouragement. Remember the first time you left your newborn with a babysitter? Maybe you called every 30 minutes. You were preoccupied the whole evening, maybe even came home a little early. Paul couldn't stand it. He just had to find out that the Thessalonians were okay. But since he couldn't go, he sent Timothy. And this reminds us that at times, we have to trust others to be there when we cannot. It's part of the gradual letting go process. Whether it's a babysitter or a uh, a nursery worker, a teacher, or their eventual mate, these folks become partners in encouragement with us along the way. Well, Paul had Timothy, whose task was to stabilize the Thessalonians in their faith, to remind them to stand firm under the unavoidable suffering that they were going to experience for Christ, and to report back to Paul. Our concern can be an encouragement in itself. It shows our love. But sometimes we also need help. Who have we enlisted in as partners in encouragement with us for those people we've been thinking about? Are they people we can trust, who are trustworthy, like Timothy? Of course, ultimately we cannot rely just on others. And so Paul's immediate response to Timothy's report was to write with encouragement of his own. In verse 10, he notes the gaps in their faith, both doctrinal and ethical, and he's going to address those in chapters 4 and 5 and then in the second letter. But he starts with words of encouragement. Words of praise, first of all. Paul gloats like a parent over their progress in the faith. Their faith and love is good news which encourages him. In fact, his his life is so tied up with them, he says now he could really live knowing that they've been growing in the faith. You know, we often affirm our children's progress when they do things like say their first word or are potty trained, can write their own names or tie their shoes. But do we affirm their spiritual progress? And do we affirm the spiritual progress of others that God has maybe called us to disciple, called us to witness to? But ultimately, Paul knew he had a bigger partner than even Timothy. And he was not just a partner, he was also the source of this growth in their faith, and that was God. And so Paul spends some time thanking God for working in their lives. Do we sense God working in the lives of our children? In those we disciple? Sharing our thanks to God, especially as we do it in front of them or or we tell them about it, can be an encouragement in itself. You know, it's so easy, especially with children, to point out their faults, to to want them to not make the same mistake again, to, to want them to get it right, and it's so easy to point out their faults but fail to actually encourage them. Who should you encourage this week? Who pops in your mind? Whether it's children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, whether it's uh, people that you know, who should you encourage? What spiritual progress are they make, making? What can you thank God for in them? And will you share that, those prayers with them? And that's what... Paul does, because as Paul goes on, he shares with them that his day and night prayers, he said he'd been praying day and night for them. Is that part of our practice, not just to pray day and night for people, but to to share what we're praying for them? He even tells them the content of his prayers. First, he prays for opportunity. He's asking God for opportunity to come into their lives again. Do we do that? With those we seek to encourage, do we ask God to arrange teachable moments, meaningful talks, opportunities to be examples? He also prays for family ties. While he's gone, Paul saw the love of the family of God, the church, as being very important in their lives. And that's also an important prayer for our children grandchildren, great-grandchildren, others we might disciple, that they might find a church family where they are encouraged. Dr. Larry Crabb writes in his book, Encouragement, Encouragement is an important business because it represents the unique value of Christian fellowship. Any group of people can enjoy themselves, but Christians can enrich their social enjoyment with the knowledge that when they spend time together, they can make an eternally significant impact on one another. Are we involved in impacting others in the church, in impacting others in our family, in impacting others in our community in a Christian way, Christian encouragement? And then finally, Paul prays that their faith and Christian growth will lead to holiness That God, by His Spirit, will continue to develop their faith and their Christian lifestyle until it's brought to completion when Jesus returns. Is that our constant prayer for the spiritual children in our lives? Paul couldn't be there, so he prayed. Are we actively involved in the Christian growth and encouragement of others through prayer? Paul's language is that of a parent, even though he's a bachelor. He sets forth the example of encouragement for Christians. Not just with our children. Not just with our grandchildren. Not just with our great-grandchildren. But also encouraging our spouse, neighbor, colleague, fellow church member, Sunday school student, classmate. The list can go on and on because part of living the Christian life, Paul exemplifies for the Thessalonians, part of living the Christian life is encouraging others in the faith and in Christian growth. So who do you need to encourage today? Who do you need to encourage this week? When I ask you those questions throughout the sermon about encouragement, who popped in your mind? Take some time. Commit yourselves to encourage them this week. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the Father of all comfort and encouragement, and that you comfort or encourage us so that we might be a comfort and encouragement to others. Lord, help us to live this aspect of the Christian life, to be able to not only enjoy the comfort and encouragement we have in you, but to share it with others and help others know that that's the kind of encouragement that indeed they can have in a relationship with you. Help us to exemplify it. Help us to put it into words and into actions. In this coming week, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Would you uh, respond with me to God's Word by singing together, Make me a channel of your peace. Make me a channel of your peace. We'll stand and sing the three stanzas.